Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. I want to dive straight into this today. I want to get straight into this word this morning because we've got a little bit of territory that I want to cover. I've called this message, The Race of the Century. The Race of the Century. That's a good title, isn't it? Right there. And uh, I've, I've listened to a couple of documentaries, well, the same documentary twice, if I had to be accurate with it. The same documentary twice in the last week. And uh, on the screen, I'm going to get them to show a photograph of, you know, this, um, this little boat that made history. There it is right there. For all of the yacht people, the water people, the ocean people, the boat people in the room, you'll have a lot more knowledge on this than what I could give you this morning. But I watched this documentary twice in the last week, only to find myself dissolving into tears as I watched Australia make history. You know, all of a sudden the pride of a nation gets in you, even if you're not a boaty person yourself. And I'll share some things out of that this morning that I think are very relevant to us that, um, you know, just caught my attention. And I want to share with you today some of the things that I think are timely and on time to catch our attention right now. But there were some things in this documentary that I promise ties in with what we've been talking about in church particularly over this year and into last year as well. But they called this in the documentary, The Race of the Century, The Race of the Century. And it was appropriately named because this race had been won by America and they'd held the trophy for 132 years. It was the longest running Um, I think in history where a record has been held and for 132 years. So this race for anyone opposing that was the challenger, you know, there was words that were used like it's unwinnable, it's unbeatable, it's impossible, it it cannot be done. And uh, and yet as I watched this show, um, there was a few moments in it that I thought was so pivotal and so important and so timely and I couldn't ignore it and I watched it a second time to make sure that I had got it right. And it's those key moments that I want to draw upon this morning, but I promise you it's not just about the documentary. We're going to go into the Word of God. And so if you're thinking this morning, what has that boat got to do with my story in this place today. You're going to see some things in just a minute. One of the things that was obvious on this on this yacht was the team spirit. Everyone knew where they needed to be. Everyone had a place. Everyone had a skill. Everyone had a job. Everyone was trained and equipped in what they had to do. And everyone knew in this team spirit they had to pull together for this prize for them at the end was this prestigious silver cup that sat in a glass cabinet and uh, it hadn't gone into any other hands in 132 years. But this sense of belief started to rise up in the crew. 
And this sense of belief started to rise up in the skipper. And these words of unwinnable, unbeatable, impossible, words like that, if you go into any situation in life carrying those words over you, that this is unbeatable, this is unwinnable, this can't be done, this is too hard, this is too out of reach, those words are going to form your sense of belief on the inside. And yet you and I are made of the Spirit of God. And God says, what's unbeatable, what's unwinnable, what's impossible, it's not with me, right? And so these words that started to sort of change the dynamic of their belief of those that were on board, but there was a particular, particular pivotal moment in this race. And uh, I can't remember how many, I think that I can't remember, those that know the race better than me would be able to correct me, but I think at one point in the race, uh, the Australia 2 yacht was about a minute behind. Now, apparently in a race like this, that's, you might as well say goodbye to the race. It's lost, it's gone, it's over, you'll never catch up uh, to the boat in front. And so that's kind of where things were at when all of a sudden, at this pivotal moment, this pivotal moment, the skipper whose name was John Bertram in 1983, he notices some things and he starts to see and notice that in the next few minutes, the wind is about to change. There's going to be a turn of the wind. He looked up into the clouds. The clouds were starting to part. He looked down into the water. The water was changing colour. And he knew that this was a moment, if ever I was going to make a decision, if ever I was going to make a change, if ever we were going to do something different, now was this moment. And his role and his job at that time was to get that boat in position to catch that wind. And so he started to turn the boat in the direction that it needed to go and his predictions were absolutely correct. He moved that boat right into position and they sailed their way into history. They sailed their way into history. This unbeatable, unwinnable, impossible race had now been won by people who read the wind. They noticed where the wind was about to go. They saw the direction that they needed to follow and they got into the right position. And that's what I wanna to talk to us about the church today. Are we ready for a wind change? Are we ready for the wind of God's Spirit? Are we ready to catch what God wants to bring upon the earth? Are we ready? Are we in position? Are our sails set for the move of God's Spirit? You might be in a story today that is unwinnable and unbeatable and impossible. And this story on this boat, this Australia 2 yacht, there's so many aspects to it. It's all on Netflix if you want to see it. Just bleep out the little bit of swear wording, uh, swear words that are in there, but that's in everything. And I've, I've learned to just go pause and, you know, off it goes or whatever, or mute, whatever it is. Sometimes you catch it, sometimes you don't. And then our Prime Minister of the day, Bob Hawke, was very excited, shall we say. <laughs> I'll leave it there. But none, the, those men on that boat sailed their way into history and it wasn't about just self-promotion or a claim to fame. <clears throat> it was about believing 
that something that was impossible is actually possible. Now, I have no idea whether the skipper of that boat was a man of faith. I do not know. I don't know his story personally. But I do know the story of the church. I do know what the church has in them. I do know what we're born of, and we're not born of ourselves. We're born of the Spirit of God. I do know that the Holy Spirit and power is upon us, within us, for us, going ahead of us, around about us, behind us, to our left, to our right. Everywhere we go, the Spirit of God is there. And you might have words bouncing around your mind right now, unwinnable, unbeatable, impossible. And I want to tell you what, just like you've got to shake off dust and shake off whatever, you've got to shake that thing off and start to get the language of the Holy Spirit and say, it might be impossible with man, but it's not impossible with my God. And if I'm a son of God, if I'm a daughter of God, then it's not impossible for me either because I'm not doing this alone. But there were three things... And we won't have time to go into the three, but one, there was this sense of belief. Secondly, there was this team spirit, but more than team spirit, it was more than team spirit. It was about everyone being in their place. Everyone being in their place. And church, it's time for the church, the body of Christ to be in place, to be in the right place. And secondly, it was knowing when the wind was changing. In John chapter 3, verse 8, it says to us that the wind blows wherever it pleases and you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone that is born of the Spirit. We can't always see, but we sense we know that the wind is about to blow The wind is about to move. The wind of God's Spirit is changing direction and I want to be in the right place to catch what He's doing. I can't wait for this Jesus Revolution movie to come out. It's not here yet. Or is it? I don't know. Is it here? But I like the history behind it more than anything. And... One of the things that it leaves me with on the little bit I've seen on it is the question that rises up within me. God, are you ready to move again? Are you ready to move again? And I honestly, and I honestly can say to you, I believe God is ready to move again. I really do. I sense it. I feel it. I know it. I can't always see what's going on. Like the wind, you don't know where it's coming from. You're not quite sure where it's going, but somewhere I'm in the middle right now, sensing that there is a wind change and God let me catch that. Is God ready to move again? As you look across, and we've mentioned this the last few weeks, the colleges in America, what is going on? The wind of the Spirit is moving. For people to gather in what seems to be an unorganised, spontaneous way, say, I just want to be in the presence of God. I just want to worship. I just want to pray. I just want to gather. I just want to praise Him. Don't organise anything for me. I just want to be in His presence. That's the wind of God's Spirit starting to awaken something within the hearts of people.
I don't know where this quote came from. I've got no idea. But this quote came from someone that with what God is about to do on the earth, everyone needs to be in their place. We've got to be in our place. We've been into some great books of the Bible over the last couple of years and this year is no exception as we're, you know, just dipping our toes into the book of Ezekiel 47, talking about expansion and growing and enlarging and all of those words. In my little Facebook message on Wednesday, I mentioned that if the skipper on the Australia 2 yacht had not known that pivotal time, he would have missed that wind and they would have missed sailing their way into history. And church, I don't want that to be the story of the church, that we miss the wind, that we miss that pivotal moment, we miss that opportunity to get into place, to be on time, to miss the moving of God's Spirit and it passes us by and all we do is read about it, hear about it. You know, it came, it went, we weren't in place. I don't want that to be the story of the church. Again, I don't know who said this, but it's a good one. That people are made up of three categories. Number one is pioneers. Number two, settlers. And number three, museum keepers. The third one frightens me. The second one bothers me. And the first one excites me. Because a pioneer is someone who presses on and presses on to take new territory and to gain new ground and to get back what's been lost and to get back what others say is unwinnable, impossible. And a pioneer says, it's not impossible. It can be done. We can conquer that. We can do that. We can reach that. We can make a difference there. We can influence that with the gospel. A pioneer does not settle. A settler just wants to live in comfort. Just watch it go by. And a museum keeper just wants to dust off the memories of the past. And you know, as almost 28 years in this church, I'm not tempted in the slightest to dust off the memories of the past. A lot's been accomplished in near on 28 years. But I tell you what, Thank God for every memory and everything that's taken place. But let's be pioneers that start to be awakened within and say, we are ready. We are ready to step into new ground, new territory, get back what's been taken and stolen. No wonder God spoke to us last year about awaken the pioneer spirit because he's not finished yet. And if he's not finished, then we're not finished. He is a God who moves. And he's a God who moves and when the wind of the Spirit is changing, we don't want to get stuck in a museum of the past somewhere. We want to move with the Spirit of God. Isaiah 54 verses 1 and 4. I'm going to read these four verses to you. It says, Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labour. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than than 
of her who has a husband, says the Lord, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right, to the left, your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame, do, so uh, do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. Wow. That's the wind of God's Spirit right there. Verse 6, which I won't go into, says, And the Lord will call you back. And God is calling people back to be back into their place, back into position. Why? Because it's so important, one, to be in right relationship with Him, first and foremost, and right relationship with one another. He's calling us back. He says, I need my church in position for what's coming on the earth. The wind of my spirit is about to move. You don't want your boat over there if the wind is over there. You don't want the church over there in somewhere, nowhere land if the wind of God's spirit it is over there. You, the person of God, don't want to be over there if God's moving here. The Lord calls us back. And we don't have time to read two chapters, Isaiah 54 and 55, but what I deducted from that was, number one, God moves upon a person, an individual. Number two, God moves upon a family. And thirdly, God moves upon a land, a nation. He's a big God. And he can do it all. He's about to do it all. But in chapter 54, there's these relevant words. It's things like sing, burst into song, shout for joy. And I might have just lost half the room at that point and say, I don't sing, I don't shout for joy, I don't burst into song, I don't run around singing psalms and melodies to other people, I don't do any of that. Well, if you do, you do it in the secret place. But I tell you what it is. It's about building heaven's atmosphere. It's about building heaven's atmosphere. Over an individual's life is about building heaven's atmosphere, creating heaven's atmosphere over a family. It's about releasing heaven's atmosphere upon a land. And you might say, what's that got to do with the issues in my life or the battles I've got in my family or the, the unemployment situation I'm dealing with or the, the story of my life? What could that possibly do to help me? And probably everything. Because if you can change atmosphere, you can get into the perspective of God. And if you get into the perspective of God, then faith is starting to rise and a sense of belief and conviction is starting to rise and say, I don't have to live in nowhere land. I don't have to live in a place of defeat and being demolished. I don't have to live in that place. I'm living in the economy of heaven. I'm living in the realm of heaven's provision. And we start to create heaven's atmosphere over our lives. People of faith build atmosphere. People of faith build atmosphere around their personal lives. People of faith build atmosphere around their families. And you might say, well, my family is messed up. So what? So what? 
So what? Is the power of God the power of God or not? Is the Word of God truth and life to us or not? Is the language of the Holy Spirit enough for us or not? Uh, Is living by faith enough for us or not? What will we give credit to? What will we give hope to? What will we give attention to? What atmosphere are you building around your life, your family, our nation, our future, our today, our tomorrow? What atmosphere are the people of God building? People of faith build atmosphere. They build atmosphere when the rain is falling and when it's not. They build atmosphere when it's good and when it's not. They build atmosphere when it's going their way and when it's not. They build atmosphere when trouble comes and they build atmosphere when victory's in their hand. They're not fair weather Christians. They just praise God when I feel good and... I'm not lifting up my hands to praise a God who hasn't been good to me. You build atmosphere regardless. The atmosphere of faith you build regardless. And the atmosphere of God changes your perspective. It changes your language. It changes your praise. It changes how you see things and a sense of belief that that spirit of unbelief, which is an ugly thing, comes off us. And we start to believe what God is able to do. People of faith don't settle in the comfort zone. People of faith don't just dust off the trophies of the past and the victories of the past. People of faith keep looking ahead, taking fresh ground, taking territory, winning back those things that have been lost and humble themselves in the presence of God and say, God, would you teach me again? Would you teach me again? Yesterday at this church meeting, I, I said to the people over there, if there was one thing, that one thing that I could ask God to do for my life, it would be, God, would you teach me to pray? Would you teach me to pray? And there's a hundred other things I could ask God for, but if He teaches me to pray, then I know how to get into His atmosphere. I know how to get into His thought process. I know how to get into heaven's environment. I know how to start to think like God and release the words of God, which can change anything. Change anything. Here's what I've learned. My complaining did not invite the power of God. It just didn't. My words of negativity have never not one time enlarged the place of my tent. It's actually narrowed it, shrunk it and made it smaller. You might say, well, I'm never negative in church. I never complain in church. I only complain and negative from Monday to Saturday. What I've learned is that God's ears are open 24-7. My complaining, my negativity never enlarged the place of my tent, not one time. But I do know that His words are alive. And I do know that His words are active. And I do know that His words bring me into the grace of God and the goodness of God, and I do know that His words bring me into a larger place where I can find His presence. There was this time, as I mentioned, 
where the sailors knew that the wind was about to change. I hope you hear that this morning. If nothing else happens today, I hope that you hear that, that the wind was about to change. And I believe that in this household of believers right here and those that are joining us at home, you want to be in the right place to catch the wind of God's Spirit. This is the time now. This is the time right now. In that boat race, however second, how many seconds they were behind, there was this pivotal moment. It's like, will I think about this? Will I wait on this? I'll give it another day. I'll give it another minute. I'll give it another hour. I'll give it another moment. Maybe I'll feel better then. I'm telling you this. If you don't move with God, it moves on without you. If you don't decide at the moment when the conviction of God is on you and the move of God's Spirit is propelling you in His direction, His Spirit moves on and we don't want to be there. The wind is changing and it's now time over our church, our families, our nation. The valley of, in Ezekiel that's mentioned, it was the speaking life that released the atmosphere of God over that valley. It was the breath of God that came. There's no life in the swamps and the marshes. There's probably some leeches down there. If you don't like leeches, you don't want to be in the swamp. You don't want to be in the marsh. You want to be where there's fresh water. And this story in Isaiah is using words like sing and burst into song, shout for joy, enlarge, stretch, do not hold back, lengthen, strengthen, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. None of that is shrinking language. None of that is museum language. As a woman in the age that I'm at, I don't want to be found in a museum. I don't want my faith to be in a museum. Well, they did great things back there, but somewhere they stopped and they settled. And they stopped growing and they stopped enlarging and they stopped speaking by faith and they stopped looking ahead and they stopped doing what God told them to do. Please don't let my faith park in a museum and enjoying past histories and victories, but there was nothing ahead. It's the words that change a person, a home, a nation. And what will we do in this moment, this pivotal moment right now where God is awakening His church, where God is stirring His own camp, where God is putting things right in the household of faith, where God is setting things where they ought to be, there is an atmosphere change. The wind is changing in our times. I've never been an end time preacher. I leave that to those that want to figure it out. And I won't go down that road because it opens the door to too much debate, too much conjecture, too many opinions. I won't go down that road. But all I can tell you is this, that I sense the wind changing. 
that God is getting His church ready. Are we the generation before the return of Jesus Christ? I can't answer that for you. All I can say this to you is that the wind is changing. I sense that God is doing something over His church. God is wanting you to wipe the dust off your feet, to stop looking in the rear view mirror, to look straight ahead, leave behind what you've got to leave behind because that cannot come with you into the days ahead. Waken the the pioneer spirit, say, I'm taking ground again. I'm taking territory again. I'm rising up in prayer and in faith again. I'm going to stand in the atmosphere of God and I'm going to release that over my family, my home, my nation. Whatever my hand puts, wherever my hand goes, wherever my feet tread, I will release the atmosphere of heaven there. In Jesus' name. The Australia 2 yacht did not sail by itself. It needed people on board who were in their place. Team, would you come back? Everyone had to be in their place to do what they were trained, equipped to do, and they did it well, and they sailed their way into the history books. And when I watched the documentary, tears ran down my eyes as the flag, I don't know if they've still got it, the boxing kangaroo, you know, the boxing kangaroo. He was kind of cool. And then they began to sing Australian songs and all of a sudden you just wept because it was Australian history. It was pretty awesome. As I said, they called it the race of the century in 1983, the race that could not be won. But you and I carry a different race within us. The race of our high calling, not one that doesn't perish or sit in a museum somewhere. Australia 2 Yard is in the Fremantle Museum today. And next time I go back to Perth, I'll go take a look. Revolutionary ideas, that groundbreaking ideas at the time with the wing keel and everything that we've never been done before. And I believe that God's about to break some old mentalities off, some old patterns off. God's about to move us into some groundbreaking times, even as the church, some revolutionary ideas. But what are you doing? I know what I've got to do to get into the right place, that pivotal moment when the wind starts to move. God has begun something in your life and He will finish it. He will finish it. But what have you got to do to be in place for that to be finished? God has begun to do something within your family and your extended family, and He will finish it. God has begun to do something in our nation. Listen, I know we can look at all the politics and say our land is in trouble, and it is. When you start discrediting Bibles and throwing prayer and Bibles out of places, we're in trouble. But here's my hope. Can a nation be one in a day? Can a nation be one in a day? When the wind of God's Spirit starts to move, a nation can be one in the day. And church, you don't want to be somewhere else when God starts to move across our land across your family, across your life in Jesus' Name. What are you doing to be in the right place at the right time 
to catch the wind of His Spirit. In Jesus' Name. Why don't we stand for a little minute? I know the air's not working this morning. You've done really well. God bless you. God bless you. You've done well. You've done well. Not to be distracted. I see hands waving and little bits of paper going like this. But for the next few minutes, let's just focus upon what's important, shall we? Let's focus upon what's important. And somewhere in this room and those at home, God is speaking to you about, I want you to put this in place. I want this area of your life to be in this place. There's pivotal moments in your life. There's pivotal moments in a family. There's pivotal moments in a nation. And I believe God is starting to move the boat, if we can use that analogy of His church, into the place of catching the wind of His Spirit in Jesus' Name. And that means you and I, the people of God in this room that He will speak to even this morning. Because signs and wonders follow the preaching of the Word of God. And there'll be something that's starting to come alive and awaken within you today in Jesus' Name. Let's worship for the next minute or so. And then I'm going to pray for you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.